Now you have the sins of the common people here, and that's you and I. We're talking about common people now. Verse 27, "...and if any of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty." We're talking about common people, talking about you, talking about me. And the offering was for a sin through ignorance. And it was against the commandment of God. And that is something specifically stated as being forbidden. And it has to be established again that he's guilty, that this is not just hearsay. Now, this offering was to lift the guilt complex and to satisfy the conscience. You see, again, friends, the death of Christ alone can lift the crushing guilt complex from modern man. Psychological procedures have not been able to accomplish this. The conscience may be seared with a hot iron, and you may transfer the guilt complex from one area to another. But down deep in the human heart, there is this strange guilt complex that linger on and on and on. Now, something may come to his knowledge later, and it's no longer a sin through ignorance, but it requires the same sacrifice. And today, what does the believer do? Well, we go to Christ as a lost sinner, and we accept him as Savior. And then as believers, we find out that we sin. So what do we do? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The offering was required, but all point to the death of Christ. Now, the ritual here again is the same as it was for the others, because all has to be put on the basis of the death of Christ. Now, that brings us down here in this final clause of this chapter, and it shall be forgiven him. Do you note that? It shall be forgiven him. That's an important truth. And complete forgiveness was secured for the sinner. Total absolution was accomplished when Christ died, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now we come in chapter 5 to the trespass offering. And here we have sin as an act. The acts must be laid to the root of the tree, always. You and I got that nature. All sin comes from the same sowers. That old sin nature that you and I got from Adam came down to us. We are going to treat this entire chapter as the trespass offering. Now, what is a trespass? I think all of us know that today. Do you ever walk down the street, start to cut across a corner where there's a grassy lot, and you saw a sign that says, No trespassing. Well, you know what that means, don't you? Well, trespassing means the invasion of the rights of others. I think that the word liberty is the most abused thing today. 
A lot of these folks running around talking about they want their liberty, burning things down and parading. Well, my friend, you have a perfect right to swing your fist any way you want to. But where my nose begins, your liberty leaves off. You have no right to interfere with somebody else's liberty, you see. And it's a trespass when you do. We all have a sinful nature, a fallen nature. In fact, man is totally depraved. He has actually no capacity for God whatsoever. Now, you may think that's strong, and it is, but God makes it very clear that he just cannot, will not, accept the works of an unsaved man. God is not saving the unsaved by their works. He says their righteousness is filthy rags, and that it's not by works of righteousness that he saves us by grace. But notice what he says in the 8th of Romans at verse 7, "...because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be." It's impossible for an unsaved man to please God. The only way that we can please him when they religious folk in that day came and said, what can we do to do the works of God? What are the works? He says, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Well, that's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You and I have a sin nature, and that sin offering dealt with that. Now, the trespass offering here in chapter 5 is sin as an act. And you find out in these first few verses here, the first 13 verses, some have treated them as part of the sin offering. Well, actually, it's a sin offering because, after all, where do trespasses come from? They come because we have that kind of a nature. Now, we sin because we're sinners. You don't have to wait to sin to become a sinner. You are a sinner, and that's the reason that you sin. Now we have in this trespass offering specific acts of sin that are committed in ignorance, and that's in the first 13 verses. Then you have non-specific acts of sin committed in ignorance, and that's verses 14 to 19. Now, when you come to chapter 6, you have specific acts of sin committed deliberately. So you have here the trespass offering. And then you have the law of the trespass offering over in chapter 7. Now let's look here at these specific acts of sin that are committed in ignorance. And I think probably to get into the chapter, let me read the first verse. And if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing, and is a witness, whether he hath seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. What does he mean by this? Well, first of all, let me say that there are four specific sins that are listed here. And the question would naturally arise, are these the only specific things that you could commit that are sin? No. 
These are given merely as examples. Tell the truth, I think you could have filled up the rest of the book of Leviticus with specific sins. Some preacher several years ago back east, he made up a list of sins. He had spent some time getting it together, and he had listed, I believe it was 800 specific sins. And by the way, he was just swamped with letters from people who wanted the list of sins. The fact of the matter is, they wanted the list of sins because they thought maybe there was something they were missing, and they knew they were not doing 800 things, so they wanted the list. Well, here we have four, and the sins that are mentioned here are merely given to us as examples, and this would apply to anything that could be called a trespass. Now, we have this, if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing. And this has been translated, if a person sin in this respect. You see, it has to do here with the hearing of an oath, whether he hath seen or known of it. If he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. You see, it's the case of a witness who does not tell all he knows. He withholds truth to the detriment of some individual. And this is a sin of omission, by the way. There are a lot of sins like that. Now, there are a great many folk in church today. They come in, they think their hands are clean. They say, well, I didn't murder anybody this week, and I didn't break the speed limit, and I certainly didn't steal. But the very interesting thing is that he didn't tell all the truth, though. James put it like this in James 4:17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. You find over in 1 Kings the 8th chapter verse 31 this is said, if any man trespass against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to cause him to swear and the oath come before thine altar in this house then hear thou in heaven, and do and judge thy servants, condemning the wicked to bring his way upon his head, and justifying the righteous to give him according to his righteousness. And this is not telling the truth when you ought to tell the truth. Let me give an example of what I'm trying to say here. Here is a gossip in a little town, and she's crossing the square the street there, and as she is, she sees one of the prominent citizens of the town, the president of the bank, who has a lovely home and a lovely wife, and she sees him cross in the street, and lo and behold, a car runs into a secretary at the bank that's crossing the street, knocks her down. And the president of the bank, he rushes over, he picks her up in his arms and takes her into a doctor's office there. And so what happens? This gossip who saw that rushes to the telephone, and she calls up the wife of the president of the bank, and she says, Do you know, Madge, that I saw your husband with another woman in his arms? Now, that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, by that, let me put it like this. That's the facts but it's not the truth. 
You see, just withheld information. She didn't tell the whole story. There are a lot of sins of omission today. I had the experience not long ago of a group of Christian men in a meeting, and they were talking about the pastor, and they gave certain information that actually was accurate. But it wasn't the truth. (laughs) They didn't tell it all. They just told part of it. And they were willing to let that group of men leave there believing that they had heard the entire truth. May I say that's a trespass. That's one of the most vicious sins that can be committed today. It's number one, by the way, on God's sin parade here that he mentions. Over in Proverbs God says there's seven things that he hates, and number one is a lying tongue. And that's what you have here. You remember when our Lord was put on oath? When they questioned him, he kept quiet, didn't say a word. And we read in Matthew 26:63, "...but Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest, whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Now the Lord Jesus broke his silence. He was no longer dumb like a sheep before his shearers. Why? He's under oath, you see. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. 